So amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you're good. And thank you for all the answered prayer. Lord, thank you for what you're doing already. Lord, we just thank you for what you have accomplished at the cross and what you accomplished when you uh, ascended to heaven and got up there and poured the Holy Spirit down here on the earth and gave us your spirit, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of grace, the spirit of truth, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit, Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we ask you today with all our hearts and souls and strength, we ask for just a greater capacity in our hearts to receive more of you, more of your Holy Spirit be manifested in us, Lord. Lord, thank you that you, you placed us on this earth, Lord, for this moment. You created each one of us from eternity past, Lord, and you designed us for this day, for this hour, Lord, because you put in us something that would be able to stand in this day and not only stand but take the love of God, the power of God, the beauty of God, and be able to share it with other people and share it with a dark world. I ask you, Lord, to help us. I pray for all those in this room this morning, Lord, who are depressed and down and afraid. Lord, I remember what Bob Jones told us many times, that panic and fear and depression were coming, but we didn't have a right to it. So here it is, Lord, that day has come. And we're saying we don't have a right to it. What we have a right to is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so we receive that today. Thank you, Lord. I sound like I was preaching to the Lord, didn't I? <laughs> Ever notice somebody who, uh, you ask them to pray over the meal, and they start praying, and next thing you know, ten minutes later, they finish like, Hang on, man, don't you ever pray <laughs> on your own? <laughs> Why you got to pray like that at lunch? <laughs> I'm sure you haven't thought that. But I have. One thing I'm going to tell you this. I'm just using up all my time, but this is okay. I feel like this. I think, and I think this don't just apply to me, but God has been unveiling to me areas of my life where the enemy has been lying to me, and I've been believing it. And he's showing me. You know, all your life you hear that the, the biggest battle that Christians have is between their ears. It's true. Is we believe things, and the enemy's trying to take people out. Because if you believe the lie, the next door that opens in your life is the destroyer. He starts destroying who you are. and starts destroying your, your path forward. And once he can... Get your lie, get starts destroying, and then the next, the last thing is death. Because when you lose your vision, you lose your dreams for what God has for you. What you have left, there's no hope for you. And I just believe that God is wanting to change all that now in people's life, and He's been just doing it to me in some remarkable ways. But let me just tell you, it's simple ways, it's shocking ways. It's not some profound spiritual experience. It's a very simple way. That I'm, I'm, suddenly I'm, my eyes are being opened in natural, everyday circumstances where I believe something about myself that was not true. And I begin to see how that was taking me down. 
And I'm telling you, the Lord's wanting to take some people down right now because you know why? Because He's scared of you. He's scared of you. He doesn't like what he sees. He's, he's seen glimpses of your future, and he's afraid of it because he knows you're carrying something that he can't stand and he can't deal with. But he gets a lot of us convinced that, well, you're just done now, Byron. You know, you're sort of done. You've sort of done what you were supposed to do, and, you know, you're just you're sort of, it's time for you to just retire and move on and do something else with your life. And you start thinking, yeah, I guess I'm, you know, I think I'm kind of, yeah, I guess I need to find somebody to replace me. And, you know, and before you know it, you've gone down the road with something, and it isn't, that was not the voice of the Father. It was the voice of the destroyer. And I want to tell you this morning to stop believing that. And, and I, I'll tell you, you need the Lord to reveal it to you. You need to, because there may come a day when the Lord says, hey, I want you to retire from this because i got something even better for you. Because God has always got something for you. I don't believe in the end there's such a thing as just retiring and doing nothing with your life. I think right to the day you're dying, you can be declaring the power of God over people and blessing. You know, in the Bible, they blessed people as they were dying. They were, they were releasing something. They were, and I think that's what God wants for you guys. So I'm going to pray for you right quick. Pray for your minds um, that God would dislodge some lies in your minds. And, be, and you begin to have these experiences. Father, I just pray for every... Put your hand on your head if you would like to. Father, I pray for every person in this room. Lord, it's such a gift from heaven when you begin to reveal lies, secret things that the devil's doing that we can't even recognize. Lord, we don't even know. Lord, we think we're trying to follow you. We think we're trying to do right and we're believing something that's not right. And so I pray today for these minds in this room, Lord. I pray that every one of us would let the mind of the Lord Jesus in. They would let the mind of the Lord Jesus in. And that mind would begin to give us new thoughts, new emotions, new dreams, new, new feelings. I just pray that for all these minds in this room. And the, the future, the hope of your calling, would just become so real that it would supersede everything. The hope, the hope, Lord, the hope of your calling would become a reality in this room, Lord. Because you've not called us to defeat. You've not called us to emptiness. You've called us to purpose, Lord, and and significance, and power, and authority. Every person, Lord, has a place on this earth of significance. And I pray that we'd all be able, to get to, be able to see that and begin to enter into that and break the lies, Lord. Lord, I curse every lie in the name of Jesus. I curse them. I curse them. I renounce them. Jesus said this. This was Jesus' first message that he ever preached. Some of you may know that. Repent, for the kingdom is right here. Repent, change the way you're thinking. See, when God reveals something to you, like he has to me this week, the first, see, he reveals it now. He says, now you change the way you're thinking about that. Don't think that no more. Because I've revealed to you what's not true. Now, you can't just keep going on and, and blab a bunch of stuff. No, you change the way you're thinking, and suddenly the kingdom is going to become more aware to you. God's kingdom, God's eternal realm. Amen?
So God will come visit you, but the thing, the responsibility on our part is when he shows us something, to stop thinking that way. Your circumstances may still tell you that. Forget that. Change the way you're thinking. And then you'll see the kingdom, and you'll, then you'll know what to do. Amen? All right, let me read this scripture. Praise the Lord. It says, Jesus called them to himself. This is Matthew 20, verse 25 through 28. And said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Talking about people. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and gave his life a ransom for many. So, let me just tell you this. First, let me ask you a question, because I guess it's the question. Have you ever had this thought, or this feeling, or this sense about your life that God had something for you that was significant? Have you ever just had that little feeling in you that you knew something, there was something more for you than what you were, I think most people have if they want to tell the truth. Uh, I have a lot. I think most of us have. And as much as you've sensed it, much as you've felt that and thought that, it seemed to be really elusive to you. <laughs> you felt that also. It's just elusive. You have these feelings about things. And then you go to the scripture, and the scripture just pours the fire on that, pours like pouring gas on a fire. Because when you read the scriptures, you realize that you find these people in the scriptures just that are like you and I. They're, they're broken people. They're messed up people. They're, they're flopping around. They're banging their heads against the wall. And then, but at the end, you see that God used them to do significant things and do mighty things in the earth. Have you ever just, you see, that's what the Bible really reveals to us. And so it, it's like, good Lord, you know, you feel all this stuff, it's elusive to you, and then you try to find some comfort in the scripture to go live this average uh, everyday life where you can just sort of, you know, drift into the corners of the world and, and you know, die off real slow and, and then you read the Bible and it just messes it up even worse. It confirms what you feel. I don't know about you, but and so you have this dilemma in your life. You've got a dilemma. You feel something from God in you. And then, and then you read the Bible and it says yes. But then you look at your life and you say, but it can't. It's not working out. In fact, every time I try it, it's a failure. And my dreams explode in my face. And, I'm a, and I get humiliated over and over. Am I the only person who feels that way? <laughs> you know, the Lord himself, he was the most significant person, did the most significant things, was the greatest man. I'm sort of avoiding that word great for just for a moment, but I'm going to get to it in a minute. You know, and he's our ultimate example, right? What we see in Christ Except for one thing. The one thing is hanging on the cross. That's not ours to do. He took care of that for us because he said, I finished. Nobody else has to do that because you already did it. 
Because the Bible says that we were crucified with him. So you don't have to do all that crazy religious, you know, all, you know. It already happened to you. When he hung, you hung. You know, when he was buried, you were buried. Isn't that beautiful? We, we were buried. We were already, we've already died. You, you, if you're thinking about dying and you're scared, you don't have to be. You've already done it. You did it with Christ. You crawled into the grave with him. You laid in that grave, in that dark grave with him. You felt the coldness of death. You did. That's what the Bible teaches us. But you also felt something else. You felt power come into you. And when he set up, you set up. And when he walked out, you walked out with him. And he said, when I'm going to heaven, guess what? I'm going to take you up there with me. I'm going to go seat you with me. See, we're already in heaven. We don't even have to wait to go to heaven. We're already there right now. I know it's hard to believe we're here, we're there. But Jesus, when he was on the earth, talked about being on the earth and said, when the Son of Man who is in heaven, why he was sitting here on earth. That's what he was telling Nicodemus. Hey, I'm in heaven, boy. That's why I'm talking the way I'm talking. Because I'm talking a different language. And God wants us to start talking the language of heaven. Well, anyways, you know. So in Christ, we find that we are created for greatness. Just get it settled. That's what you see. A lot of people read that, oh, you know. Oh, you know, Lord, you know, I, I can't be great. I can't. That's what Jesus was saying there. No. He wasn't saying don't be great. He was saying, I'm going to show you how to be great. I'm going to show you how to be great. That's what he was telling us there. I'm going to teach you how I became great. Follow me. Uh, if you'll follow me like this, I'll follow, you'll, you'll come into greatness. You become a great man or a great woman in any area of your life. Listen, how many people here go to work every day? I, I just want to be a bum at work. I want to fail at work. I want to be the sorriest worker there. Or I, I want to fail at school. I, I really want to be a sorry student. You know, I really do. I just want to fail. Or I want to, hey, I really want to be the sorriest preacher there ever was. I want people to go to sleep. I want everybody in there. I'm going to have an alarm clock in church when I get through. Oh, okay, yeah, thank you. That was a great message. Thank you for that wonderful time. I didn't get to sleep last night, so I got to sleep in church. And... It's just great. I stay up late every Saturday night because I know I'm going to go to church and sleep through the message because we have such a sorry preacher because he wants to be sorry. No, he really doesn't want to be sorry. He wants to be a great preacher. Why does he want to be a great preacher? Because he has a great God inside of him who looks for greatness, who wants to live greatness through each one of us. Okay, so don't let religion or the world tell you you're not supposed to be great. You're supposed to be great. Whatever you do, you're supposed to be a great. I, I, I want to be a sorry parent. I want to raise my kids where they're just a bunch of crummy kids. They don't obey the law. They're just, they don't uh, respect authority. I want to be a terrible parent. No, you want to be a great parent because you want your kids to be great people. You know, you really do. Isn't that really funny? <laughs> Nobody wants to be a loser. 
So God created you to do something that matters. If he created you for greatness. By the way, that word great means lots of things. It means being influential. It means having spiritual power and spiritual authority. It means having just natural power and natural authority to do something. It means significance. That's what it means. It means all these things that you would think what great means. Listen, there's a difference between being great and being famous. Because there's a lot of famous people out there. But that's right. What You wouldn't even want to know them. You wouldn't even want them to show up at your door. Like, these people, mm-mm. I would not be seen in public with them because, like Doug just said, they ain't great. So there's a difference between great and fame. We're not talking about trying to be famous here. We're talking about trying to be great. Great people are worth knowing. Great people are worth wanting to be around. You know, great people are people we want to be around. We gather ourselves. There are some famous people who are great, but there are some famous people that you would run if they came to the house. You know, you wouldn't want your neighbors. They're like, they're hanging around them, huh? What happened to them? (laughs) So really, number one, I wanted to say this. The desire for greatness is from God. I think I've already said that, but I just want to say it's from God. It's how you go about becoming great is the issue because there's a right way to go about it and there's a wrong way. And Jesus was saying here, you want to be great? Well, I'm going to tell you the secret to my greatness and it'll be the secret to your greatness if you'll become a servant. Oh, Lord, have mercy. This message just went down the tubes. <laughs> Certainly, now I got to serve somebody. I, I mean, I got to help somebody. I got to do something outside myself. I got I to gotta get away from the plate that I'm eating and take the food on it and give it to somebody else. Well, that's what he said. He said, you, you know, this is how you can become a great person. This is the entrance way to becoming a great person is becoming a person who has a servant's heart, a person who wants to serve others, a person who wants to serve what God's doing in the earth, a person who sees what God's doing and says, that's what I want to put my hands to. That's the most important thing there is. That's what, he was, that's what he was saying here. So that's how we become those people. I wanted to read something here by this woman. Speaking of woman, women, who was, or women, yeah, Will, thank you for the women thing. Yep. There's a lady named Christine Kane. Anybody ever heard of her? Raise your hand. I want to see because Christine Kane, I never heard of her. My son-in-law, who knows about everything there is to know in the Christian world, you know, <laughs> he's very factual about stuff, was telling me about this woman named Christine Kane. The reason I have never heard of her because she was just, is not from our tribe. She would be more from the evangelical tribe of people, but she's become like a, well, she's become famous. She's become a famous person, a famous woman. She's from Australia. She's been living in America for three years, and she speaks at these conferences. Uh, evidently, there's conferences out there. I don't know anything about what happens in the Christian world, but there's a thing called the Passion Conference. I love the name of it. But it's not a Holy Ghost conference, from what I understand. But there was 20,000 college students at this Passion Conference. That's, something's happening, right? And there's 20, I'm not complaining. But she spoke at it, and she just... Said some. I got a little thing on what she said because I wanted to find out about this Christine Kane. But I'll tell you another thing: she's a crossover. She's then crossed over into the Holy Ghost realm. She's been going and hanging out with people like us, like uh, 
all her evangelical buddies would say, them people ain't right. You know, but she's thinking, you know, they seem right to me. You know, but this is what she said. Let me read it to you. This is just a little quick blurb. How is God going to get the glory on this earth? How is God going to get the glory on this earth? Through the people of God doing the works of God that we were put on this earth to do. Now, I want you to hear this part. Not just talking about it. Not just talking about it. Listen to this. Not just blogging about it. (laughs) We all want to write a beautiful story, but nobody wants to work and live that story. We all want to write a beautiful story, but nobody wants to work and live that story. We need to work. That's what she said. Now, this, she wasn't saying that talking was wrong. She wasn't saying blogging was wrong. She was saying, but if that's all you're doing with your Christian life is talking about what you're going to do, hope to do, and all that, or you could write it down in some journal somewhere, or you're putting it out there on some blog on the Internet, blah, 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 but you ain't doing nothing, something's wrong. That's what she was telling them. Something's wrong with that kind of Christianity. I look at the generation today that is so desperate. Now, t- take this for what she's saying. Don't read anything into it. That's so desperate about marketing themselves and establishing a career path and trying to make their calling a career. Now, let me just say this. Don't take it wrong because my calling became my career. Okay? So she's not saying that's a wrong thing. What she's saying is people are desperate to do that and they're doing all these things but they're missing something. They're missing what Jesus said. You can market yourself to death and get some things. But she's saying, if you're not doing this other thing, that what Jesus said, then you're, you're going down the tubes, buddy. This is what she said. I just began serving. I volunteered doing anything. I volunteered to clean up. I volunteered to put chairs out. She was a church girl. I volunteered for vacuuming the floors. I just wanted to be around the house of God. I just made myself available to serve. That's what she did. And see, out of that, God made this woman great. He made her great because she she had this passion for, for the house of God. I'm not saying everybody should have that passion. I'm just saying she had this passion. She said, I just want to be around let me put the chairs out. I'll be happy to put chairs out. I'll be happy to vacuum after everybody goes home, put it back together. I just want to, because she felt God there on that. And over a period of time, God made this woman very influential and very, her words carry a lot of weight in the church. One time I had a younger guy tell me, I don't want to have to clean up. I don't like doing that. That's what he said to me. And I was thinking, I don't either. I don't like cleaning toilets. Who does? Who wants to do all that stuff? Nobody really. Nobody wants to be the guy cleaning up. Nobody wants to be the guy left behind to make to clean the mess up. Nobody wants to do that. But a person with a servant's heart, a person that God's put his hand on their heart in some way has heard something from God and have this passion, they'll do that. Because they feel like in some ways, well, maybe, maybe somewhere in this, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll connect with God in what I'm doing here, what I'm serving in. I'll find God there. Somehow, 
There's some people who just know instinctively that in serving, they find the Lord on his knees washing floors. I'm just saying that for your thoughts. Are y'all okay? I got quiet on me. Just tell me that's what sometimes we need to be thinking like that. Okay, I wanted to read this other scripture here to, for you. Um, it's in Exodus 3. It's the story of Moses. We all know the story real well. It, it's just got a few little thoughts in it that I found to be real fascinating. It says Moses was... And by the way, the reason I feel like this is important because I believe God is going to move in the earth significantly. That's what I believe. I, I, I see a revival coming. I see the power of God being manifested. I see God flipping things, raising people up. That's what I see God doing. I see God looking for people to raise up. Little people. Little people. Big people, mm, we're putting you down. These little people, I want to raise them up. Little people. Get little people. He's looking for them right now because he wants to use them. And those little people are the ones who are willing to serve and willing to humble themselves and do what Jesus did. So that's why I'm sharing this with you, just if you're wondering. I'm not trying to get volunteers for the church, by the way. You know what? If you don't want to serve here, I would really, you're not. I would really have people, you could say, no, I don't want to clean. Uh, I go back and work on the commode one day. I'm like, I hate doing this. That's what I, thought. I hate working on commodes. Every time I do, my shoulder hurts because it's awkward. But I did it anyway because it needed to be done. Anyways, are y'all okay? Yeah. I'm sure you are. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Okay, so here's what he was doing. He was doing what? He was serving. This is the mighty man, Moses. The priest, of me, he was a priest too. He was serving this guy, taking care of his, his, his sheep. And he led the flock to the back of the desert. It seemed like God just really will... You know, get you in some backsides of things. Don't you Don't you love God to put you on the back burner? Anybody ever been on the back burner? How many of you on the back burner right now? Raise your hand. Don't, don't you love it? It's back there. Hey, I'm, I'm boiling over. In fact, I bought over months ago. What you doing? Don't worry about it. I can rehydrate you. Just stay right there. I had this guy one time tell me this over and over. Hey, you know, God's a cook, Byron. And it's like a cook who cooks a big old uh, turkey in the oven. He'll pull it out, and you're that turkey, and he'll stick a fork in you. And he'll look at, nah, he needs to stay in there a while longer. He told me that for years. For years, I thought, am I ever going to get done, Lord? I mean, am I just perpetually a raw turkey? That's what he told me. You know what happens? You know what happens to you? In the day that comes, the Lord just takes you out of the oven. You're like, no, no, don't take me out. I got comfortable here. I like it here. It's great in here. It's warm. I mean, nobody's messing with me. I got a good life in the oven. I like the temperature. I don't want nobody biting me, and I don't want them knives going into me. I'll be fine with the fork. You, you, we, get, we get really secure in where we're at and comfortable. I like this. Don't mess with me, God. Uh-uh, I don't want them people. I don't, mm, no. That's, that's what happens. <laughs> yep. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Notice where the mountain of God is, ladies and gentlemen. Guess where it was located? In the oven. In the backside of the desert. 
that's the mountain of God. That's, that's what it says. We think the mountain of God is some glorious thing. Uh, you might be thinking wrong about that now. And, you know, people will tell you that, though. You can't believe everything people tell you. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. Good day. Right? Good day. Good day. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. It even got to be a better day. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see the great sight, why the bush does not burn. Have you ever saw that on television, how they did that, the way they gave his voice? And then he saw the bush, and then he changed. His hair had gray streaks in it. <laughs> I thought that's, that's what they did on television. So when the Lord saw the turn aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush. You know, God's in the bush burning. Boy, God just shows up in some crazy places. Think about it a minute. God was talking through a bush. You think what we were doing was crazy this morning, waving handkerchiefs and woo-hoo-hoo-hoo, and God is talking through a bush? You've got mental problems if you think that was crazy. That's crazy to me. I ain't burning bush talking. Think about it a minute. And see, that's what we think. Oh, that's crazy up there doing all that. And God is in here talking through a dog and bush. How many bushes have you ever been around that talked? I mean, it's true. God is just, he does crazy stuff. So we are low-level crazy at best. We are low-level crazy. So first, let's, I want you to say, that, I want to say this to you. Number one, Moses was not having any kind of identity crisis in his life at that moment. Moses was not on a search for significance. Moses was just doing what he was supposed to be doing. Okay? I think sometimes, I mean, I think the identity and search, all that stuff's important. Don't get me wrong. But I think sometimes we put a lot of, too much emphasis on what we're doing. When God has this other operational mode, he actually is in quite a bit biblically. Like every disciple, like for instance Matthew, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew, what did, how did the Lord find that guy? At work. He had found him at work collecting taxes. How did he find Peter, James, and John? Fishing, cleaning their nets. In like the everyday course of life, God shows up. I've always told, I've been told this forever. God is going to only go after people who are busy people. I thought, that don't sound right to me. But I thought, well, it sounds pretty biblical until I realized it wasn't just busy people. These people were just serving, serving whatever they were supposed to be serving. The fishermen were serving their family. Making a living for their family. Moses was serving his father-in-law, taking, taking care of his stuff. And Paul was even serving when the Lord encountered him. He wasn't looking for God. He was, going to, you know, he was acting as a policeman for the priest. And God met him. And so God met Moses just in his life and encountered him 
as he went about his life, his life of being a servant. And that's how God really wants, will meet people. He'll bring an encounter into your life. Again, I, there's nothing wrong with seeking the Lord. I don't know. Just don't get out of balance with it. Okay? God, let me just say this about God. God wants to lead the dance of life, not you. When you start leading the dance of life, oh, I got, I'm desperate for God. I, I got to have God. I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. And you're, 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 you're trying to take over. You're trying to lead. And God's saying, we ain't dancing that dance. Uh-uh, I'm not, either I'm leading or I'm not dancing. Now, I'm not putting down that stuff because I would be really guilty. To, I'd be putting myself down. I'm just saying it's a noble thing, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all that. But just keep this in the back of your mind. We ain't looking for God nowhere near like God's looking for us. And I think it'll liberate people from this crazy, carnal, driven, religious frenzy that people get into about trying to get God for something. And, and Moses didn't even have no, he didn't have no noble, there was no noble thing in him. Like, you know, he was a godly man and he, none of that was in him. He was just a curious guy. Like, dude, I've never seen anything like this before. This is crazy. See, there was nothing working in him like that. Only thing that God said, well, he responded, so I'll respond back more even. Are y'all following this? And I believe this is what a servant does. A servant just responds. Anyways. Yeah, well, y'all were okay. Thank you, Lord. Um, the next thing I thought is um, just really cool for me personally, and I think for you is what we just read. Um, let me read verse 5 and 6 of Exodus. Then uh, he said, uh, you know, things got serious all of a sudden. This bush starts telling you, ordering you around, you know. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? The bush said, just remember it was the bush. Do not draw near to this place. After he looked at don't get too close, pal. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. This is encounter. And see, that's what God wants to, to do for people. And I believe that's what God wants to do for people who are serving him. However that looks Mopping the floors in your house, serving your family so your family will have a clean house to live in. Or mowing your grass so your neighbors will not be mad at you for ruining the neighborhood. Moreover, he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. It's introduction. God is revealing himself. You know, to Moses, that's all that's real significant stuff. The God of Abraham, God of that, I mean, that's the God. That's the ultimate God. That's the God. That's not just some bush talking. That's God in that bush. God has come to me. God has, has caught me in the middle of my day. And he's revealing himself to me. It's powerful. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid. Suddenly his thing shifted. He, he got on his face. Because it's not just an encounter with a bush anymore. It's an encounter with the living God. And God wants to encounter people. I'm telling you. He wants to encounter you. And we can position ourselves for encounter by serving and by just letting and, and, and knowing that God, knowing in our heart that God wants to have this encounter with us. He wants to reveal himself to us. Oh, ugh. 
I'm going to finish. I'm not going to finish, but I'm going to finish. That really made sense. So God introduced himself to Moses. I wanted to read Isaiah 6, 8 real quick because I love this. Isaiah 1 through 5. In the year of King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He'd been prophesying for five chapters. Chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Have you ever thought about that? Then the king dies. And then in that year, he says, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And he heard, heard things. And he did like Moses. Like, oh gosh, I'm in trouble. I promise you when God shows up, you're going to think that I am in so much trouble. God has showed up and I am in trouble. That's what he said. Woe is me. I'm an unclean man. I live amongst unclean people. I'm just in trouble. That's what an encounter does. It exposes everything in you. Every thought, every feeling. All of a sudden, you're laid bare. Just naked as a jaybird before the Lord. And you're saying, I don't look good. I don't feel good. I just got to crawl off somewhere. And the Lord took a coal from the altar and stuck it on his lips. And then the Lord... After this amazing encounter, he said, I heard, I heard the voice of the Lord speaking. I heard something. You see, it's just not about having this encounter like, oh, we had a glorious encounter with the Lord. But we still are being mean to our wife. You see, the glorious encounter is going to do something. And this is, this is it. I just want to tell you this. The Lord said this, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? In other words, the Lord said, I'm looking for somebody. I'm looking for somebody. But he let him in the encounter hear what God was up to in the earth. And Isaiah said what? Lord, I'm in. I'm in. Send me, Lord. You see, it's, in one sense, what happens is when we have these encounters with the Lord, there's this, this passion that gets imparted to our hearts. The passion to serve what God is actually doing. And then suddenly you fall in love with God and you're saying, I, you looking for somebody? I'm in. Here, here I am. Send me. Just, I will go. I will go. So, you know, I think everybody should have that encounter with the Lord. And... Let me just read this. Let me read this. 7 through 9, Exodus. Back to Moses. And the Lord said, Listen to this. I want you to get this. I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land of to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Pezzarites, Hivites, Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of children of Israel has come to me. This is God. And I have seen the impression, oppression with which the Egyptians uh, oppressed them. And so God was saying to Moses, Moses, listen, this is what I hear. This is what I hear. This is what I'm seeing. Okay? That's, that's what he was saying to me. I'm feeling this. I'm seeing this. 
I want to do something about this. I really want to do something about this. And that's why we're having this encounter right now. Because Moses, I want you to see this. I want you to see what I'm seeing. I want you to hear what I'm hearing. Because I see people who need something. And I need somebody. I need somebody. I need somebody who will hear this like Isaiah heard it. That's how God works. God didn't trot himself down there, divide the Red Sea, do all this stuff, go talk. No, he said, no, that ain't the way this deal works. I want you to do it. I want you to do it. I want you to go and do this thing for me because I want to do it. I want somebody to hear this. I want somebody to hear what I'm hearing. See, that's what we got to do. we got to say, Lord... I need to hear something besides all this baloney I'm hearing in the world. I just want to quit all that, Lord. I don't want to hear this mess no more. I want to hear what you feel. Uh, Lord, hey, did you see that picture, Lord, with the White House when they had all the gay thing? Lord, tell me what you felt. Tell me what I'm t- I don't really give a rip what everybody else feels, Lord. I'd like to know what you feel about that. And see, that's really what, where God wants to take us, you know. You see, when these encounters where the Lord wants to bring us, he wants, really wants to share his heart with us about what he's feeling and seeing. And he wants us to, to say yes to that heart. And then um, the Bible says um, in verse 10, uh, come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I've shown you what I feel. Are you getting it? Are you receiving this? Will you take this on, Moses? Will you? I could just hear God saying this. Can't you hear it, Moses? Don't anybody hear what I'm hearing? Don't anybody see what I'm seeing? When you look at these people, don't you feel what I'm feeling, Moses? Can you, can you have this? Will you have this? Will you have this, Moses, when you look at these people? And, and, and that's what he's saying here. And, and, and Moses said, well, well, wait a minute. Whoa! Wait a minute! Who the heck am I to do this? Just like you and me will. I'm not in that now. Hey, Lord, you know, I will clean the commodes at church. <laughs> but I don't want to mess with these guys out here because these guys are ruthless. And the Lord... You know, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And you know what the Lord said? Well, here's, here's who you are, Moses. You were raised there in the palace. You understand these people. You speak their language. You know their culture. You can do all this stuff. But that ain't what God said. Don't you love how God is? Uh, I'll just be with you. Uh, uh, that's, that's who In other words, Moses, I ain't going to try to build your sorry hide up. I'm not going to take you through 18 steps of inner healing or 43 steps of deliverance. I'll just be with you and we'll go do this deal. That's what he did to the guy in the New Testament that delivered a legion of demons out of him. And the guy like, I I need to go with you really bad, Lord. I really need to go. No, just go to your city 
and tell them about me. And you, they'll see you. They'll see you having an encounter with me. And then you know what? 4,000 people showed up one day when Jesus went back. Where did those 4,000 people come from? The guy who got delivered from a legion of demons is where they came from. He said, hey, Jesus, the guy who did this for me is coming back. You want to go meet him? And that's what happened in the New Testament. The Lord wants to be with us. The Lord promises. That's what he, all he promises. See, what we want to know, we want to do. I need to plan, Lord. I need to plan. I need to plan. Come on, Lord. I need the plan. Tell me the three steps that I'm going to do. And he says, no. Nah. See, we want, the Lord wants us to know who. We, we want to know what, right? What's the plan? What's the five-year plan? What's the plan for doing this? And the Lord says, no, all the plan you need is this. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. That's all you need to know. Just start moving in that direction and things will unfold for you. Don't you hate that? Don't you hate that? I mean, I love the fact, God, I'm with you. Oh, that makes me feel real good right this moment. But the daggone when I'm facing Pharaoh, it don't feel good. Now, that's the way it seems to be working out here. Anyways. Um... The other question that he asked, who am I? Then he said in verse 12, I will certainly be with you and this sign shall be that I have sent you. This is the craziest thing. Now when you brought this people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. This is how you're going to know. After you've done all this, you'll be back. In other words, Moses, here's the only way you're going to know this is for sure. Is you're going to have to go do it. You're just going to have to go do it. And you'll come back here and you'll worship me on this mountain. He didn't tell him anything else. He didn't give him some step-by-step plan. He just said, after you're back, after you've done it, you'll be here again. And then you'll know for sure, Moses. You are not going to know for sure. Only thing you can know for sure is this. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I will do this for you. And I'll help you. And, that's, and then you'll know after all this is over with, this was really a real encounter. You know, this, you didn't dream this. This really was God. And, yeah. Lord, help us, right? Help us, Lord. But that's what a servant does, right? That's, that was the whole thing, you know. I'm going to pray for you and ask the Lord to help, help me. <laughs> Oh, so many of us have had dreams of greatness and dreams of doing something and dreams of healing people and dreams of saving people and, you know, and it just seemed like we just failed over and over and. Lord, help us, heal us today, Lord. Lord, I pray somehow for me and I pray for everybody in this room and anybody else that, that might hear this, Lord, that we'd hear what you're hearing and see what you're seeing in the earth. It's never about you. It's never about you. Being great is never about you. It's always about God 
in these people that God cares about and loves. That's what really being great is. It's not about me being great, you being great. Oh, look how great I Lord, The Lord made me great. No. It's not, that, it, that's, that's why he said Moses, when Moses, who am I? This is not anything. This has nothing to do with you, Moses. It has everything to do with all these suffering people. My heart for them. That's, that's it. That's what it is. I want you to capture my heart. And you won't be thinking about you. Did you want to share that? I know we're over, but... Wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to tell you something <laughs> about Becky. This is what she told me the other day. She said, I've been having a rough time since I got ordained. You think I can get to unordained? <laughs> That's what she said. I thought, I don't know, man. I don't know how you do an unordained. I hadn't thought about that. But this is really what I want to tell you she told me. She said, you know what? I never really, this wasn't what, I wasn't looking for this. All my life, all I wanted to do is help the helpless. Help the ones that nobody else cared about. I cared about them. I wanted to go encourage them. I wanted to go tell them, you know, the Lord cares about you. I want to help you get in to the in crowd because you don't belong out there. All right, so she said, I was going to be a missionary. Then I decided I was going to be a social worker. Then I married you. <laughs> but I did not want to do this pastor-wife business. I would have rather been a social worker or a missionary because it's not about me. It's about, you see, and that's, that's what I'm saying. That's a simple thing. That's a simple thing. But that's really the heart God's looking for in people. And I think that's what Christine Kane was trying to say it. I wasn't trying to be a famous woman preacher. I, I was just a person who wanted to serve and be around what God did and God gave me this platform because of that heart. That was um, the week before I got ordained it started. It was like, you know, I, I didn't even want to get ordained in front of all of y'all. I just felt like I needed to be. And I said, why can't we just get the elders and meet in the office and just and no, we need to do it publicly. But it was a rough week. I just felt like the enemy just started slamming me, you know. And um, I went to visit my family in Rockingham, and often I go to this little deli club kind of thing where my niece sings, and my brother was singing that night, and we had a big family table. It was loud, and I was kind of messed up. Just, just feel like my identity was getting slammed, and... Just like the enemy just coming after that. And, um, and at the end of the night, my cousin's wife, we had not spoke to her all night. Now, I'm going to tell you, this guy is the head, her husband, of cannabis, med medical cannabis of North Carolina. Okay? He just, he's a Vietnam vet. He really believes it helps those guys. I don't argue all that stuff. I just love them, you know, because they're, they, they're believers. They go to church every Sunday. <laughs> Their Baptist preacher has to deal with it. It's kind of funny, but <laughs> but they're awesome. They really are awesome people that love the Lord. And um, so at the end of the night, I'm getting ready to hadn't talked to them. It was just hey at the end of the table, and they were leaving, and I went down to just connect a second, and she looked straight at me, the wife. She has this wisdom thing that has a couple of times the Lord used her. 
she says, I just want to say something to you. She looked me straight in the eyes and the Lord started speaking. You know, sometimes that prophetic stuff is not, it just comes somewhere different. When it does, it's so powerful. She looked at me and she says, you know what the Lord's been showing me lately? She says, I have this connection with him like I've never had. She says, she showed me, he showed me that everything he does is for his pleasure. And it's not about me. And when she said that, it just was like, whew. And it took me a minute to figure that out. But what he's just saying, when we enter into serving the Lord, we're just entering into the pleasure of who he is. That's just what we're doing. It's not about me. It's just about joining him. Isn't, and isn't that wonderful? And, it's, and she just had just a brand new place in God. And it was really the word of the Lord. So, amen. Y'all just take that. I, I want y'all to hear that today. Just stand up and receive that. This, everything that God is doing in the earth is about his pleasure and about his love for people. And it is not about us. And when we get the, our eyes off it being about me, we can really enjoy the ride. Okay, just enjoy it. So, amen. Thank you, Lord. I just, I'll pray for you because that really was hitting me. I was getting that while I'm glad he gave me an opportunity. Let's just enter into his pleasure right now. Lord, this is not about us. It's all about you. And Lord, as Bob Jones said, when he encountered you in heaven, the one question at the judgment seat was, did you learn to love? And so, Lord, we just say today that is the pleasure of your heart, is loving people. And Lord, we just want to say yes to you, Lord, on the backside of this desert as we hear your voice. Lord, us little people, God, we just want to say yes to you, Lord. And we want to enter into the pleasure of your heart, God. Lord, how you love people. You love, Lord, you let us hear your, the cry, Lord, of your heart today. Let us hear it, Lord, and enter in. And, Lord, get our eyes off of ourselves. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's call the ministry team up and come on up if you want prayer this morning. It's good. It's really good. Yeah. I just pray that would just cut off of you now, Lord. Any self-focus and just renew yourself and working for him as you encounter him. Because that's really how this thing works. Out of encounters comes the service. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We love you. Just thank you for the power. Lord, we just pray right now over this great congregation. Lord, that we would encounter you. We would hear your voice. And Lord, that each one of us, Lord, would begin to just move out of those encounters. And as we go, Lord, we would just join in the pleasure of serving you, Lord. Lord, there is nothing like serving you, Lord. It is awesome to serve you, Lord. There is some, we experience your pleasure as we serve you, Lord God. There's nothing like that, God. And I, I just release that this morning. As we go, as you go, just be released into that pleasure of his heart. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord.
Woo. Be blessed. We love you. Woo. Amen. Get prayer. It's good. Amen.